This Isaiah passage that you heard read this morning is a familiar one on Ash Wednesday. And of course the tie to the story about the woman bent over, crippled by an ailment, has to do with that tie to Sabbath that Isaiah talks about. There also in that passage, and even before what we heard read this morning, a lot of words about repentance and true fasting. Listen to the first part of Isaiah 58. Why do we fast, but you do not see? Why humble ourselves, but you do not notice? Those are the questions in the words of the mouth of the people who are fasting and before God and wondering why God is not taking note. And here's the prophet's response. Look, you serve your own interest on your fast day and oppress all your workers. Look, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to strike with a wicked fist. Such fasting as you do today will not make your voice heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose? A day to humble oneself? Is it to bow down the head like a bulrush and to lie in sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast I choose? To loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house, when you see the naked to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own kin? Luke gives us the leader of the synagogue as a pretty easy target. His position is threatened by this upstart wandering prophet, and he cites violation of the rules of conduct for the Sabbath. And we're so tempted to shake our heads at this unfortunate, selfish man and count ourselves as being among the crowd who rejoiced at the good news of the woman's healing, but we really should slow down. All too often, it is very easy for us to be that synagogue leader. All too often, we can ignore the long suffering of another bound up by evil because we aren't bearing that burden. All too often, we can be the one who, having witnessed a miracle of deliverance, ridicules it, dismisses it, or outright condemns it because it transgressed what we thought were appropriate rules of behavior. Our culture, it thrives on the quick condemnation of others. We view the lives of others at their most vulnerable through the lens of social media and television, and we rush to judgment. That man wouldn't be in the shape he was in if he just stayed away from drugs. That child who is struggling in school, that, that child probably plays way too many video games. Those people at the border wouldn't be arrested if they just stayed in their own country. Isaiah called on God's people to lift the burdens of those who were suffering. When we condemn others, even from a distance, even from just a social media comment, we add weight to their burdens and forge more chains that bind them. We may be familiar with the German word for gaining pleasure at the suffering of others, schadenfreude. 
It turns out that that's such a common reaction that many languages have a word like this. Literary Hub website cites French, Danish, Dutch, and Hebrew examples of words like this, the enjoyment of the suffering of others. Mandarin has a word for it, as do Serbo-Croat and Russian. And even the ancient Romans and the Greeks understood this concept and had it in their language. Gaining pleasure from the suffering of the others is so common, we will likely never avoid it completely. But particularly troubling are those cases when we deride and we ridicule the most vulnerable in our society, children or the disabled, or refugees or those caught in the throes of addiction, those with serious mental illness, just to name a few. And such is this woman who we meet in our story. She'd been carrying her burden for 18 years. She was bent over. Emily Towns says of her that for 18 years, this unnamed woman must strain to see the sun, the sky, the stars, For 18 years, she has become accustomed to looking down or just slightly ahead, but never upward without difficulty. For 18 years, her world had been one of turning from side to side to see what those who stood upright can see with just a glance. We know the synagogue's leader's feelings, but how did the congregation members view her. Jesus' response to the disapproval of the leader is fascinating because he doesn't address the singular. It's plural. Hypocrites. He is speaking to every person there and calling them all hypocrites for regularly worshiping and yet doing nothing to help this woman calls to mind our reaction to suffering, one of our other reactions. If we don't take pleasure in it, then we ignore it. Because if we ignore it, we can avoid doing anything about it. Isaiah's words call us back to true faithfulness. Faithful followers are to take notice of suffering and act. Faithful worship involves looking beyond our own self-interest to the needs of the vulnerable around us. Faithful living means we don't act one way when we gather to sing praises to God and another way when we step out these doors. What bound up this woman? Was it the result of a physical disease? Was it the result of abuse by the hands of others? Jesus spoke to this woman, and he spoke words of kindness and hope Were these the first encouraging words she heard in 18 years? Victims of domestic violence can testify to the harsh reality of a home where there was never a positive or affirming remark, a compliment, or praise for anything. This woman may have been weighed down by the negative messages from home and society that filled her life. 
Jesus spoke a life-changing word about a new reality that awaited her. This woman, who'd been bound by Satan for 18 years, heard these words, You are set free. And then he touched her. How long had it been since she felt a human touch that wasn't delivered in anger? How long had it been since any person did anything except avoid her? For 18 years, she had carried this terrible burden. And then Jesus spoke to her and touched her and lifted the burden from her shoulders and set her free. Sometimes we encounter these stories of healing and we think, well, I I, I can't do that. I'm not Jesus. But we would be wrong. The actions Jesus took, every single one of us can take. When we encounter suffering, we can notice. We can avoid the mistake of the synagogue leader and the congregants who avoided noticing this woman. We can listen to Isaiah and open our eyes and our ears to suffering in the world. When we encounter suffering, we can speak. We can offer real words of caring. Oh, it's risky, I know. It requires vulnerability. It requires us to be humble and non judgmental. Our words should always witness to the freedom that God offers, not our own expectation of what a changed life will look like. Our words also serve as witness that God is liberating those who are abused, those who are bent double under the weight of their burdens. And when we encounter suffering, we can touch those who suffer. We can give our presence. We can offer our friendship. When needed and appropriate, we can share our resources. We can help lift burdens that bear down like they did on that woman in the synagogue. Miracles of healing, sometimes they happen amazingly quickly. Sometimes they take a lot of time. But healing is always happening when burdens are lifted. The Lord of the Sabbath will work through our noticing, our speaking, our touching others' lives. No work of a faithful disciple who follows Jesus and answers the call of Isaiah will ever go to waste. The last word from the Isaiah passage reminds us of something deeply important. Kin. Those who suffer are our kin, our family, our brothers and sisters. The woman bent double was a part of that congregation, even though no one recognized it. Jesus came to offer freedom to the world, not just to a congregation. And all of us encounter in the world our brothers and sisters, our kin. Faithful discipleship requires this of us, but there's an incredible blessing that comes when we fulfill this duty. When the woman was healed, she stood up and she began praising God. Her joy was infectious. The congregant members, despite hearing Jesus' words of rebuke, understood what had happened, and they too were filled with joy. When we notice suffering, when we speak God's words of hope, when we reach and touch those who are hurting, When burdens are lifted, 
Joy erupts in front of us and spreads. The challenge is certainly large. There's lots of suffering in the world, and that's one reason sometimes we try to just shut it out. But God will guide each of us to where we need to be to lift burdens. The Spirit will show us the person who needs our help. It may be a challenging situation, but the Spirit will guide us. The Spirit will grant us the words of freedom we need to speak. Our call is to listen to the words of Isaiah, to take notice, to look beyond our own self-interest, to share our resources with the hungry, the lonely, the suffering, the ones bent double by the weight of abuse. We can do what Jesus did. And we will see those delivered rejoicing when their burdens are lifted. Amen.